Hey, it's Jason Mark. This year, Curious City's Neighborhood Spotlight is on West Ridge, also known as West Rogers Park. And one of the things that makes the neighborhood unique is its high concentration of Orthodox Jews. Curious City listener Alice Henry grew up there and was kind of an anomaly. She and her family are Reform Jews, a stream of Judaism that's less strict about keeping all the traditional rules that make up Jewish life. Now, the neighborhood's had a large Jewish population since the late 1940s, and for many decades, you'd find the whole range of Jewish life there, from Jewish atheists to those who adhered strictly to biblical and rabbinical law. But over the last few decades, Jewish Westridge has become more and more observant, more religious, and Alice wanted to know, When and why did Westridge become such an Orthodox Jewish neighborhood? So this week on the podcast, we'll try to answer those questions and help you understand a little about a community here in Chicago that you might not be familiar with. That's next. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. The Orthodox have come to be the most sizable Jewish population in West Ridge, but they aren't the only ones in the neighborhood. Our question asker Alice's family moved to West Fitch Avenue almost 30 years ago, and her parents are still there. About a couple of blocks from Indian Boundary Park, a couple of blocks from Decatur Classical School. That's kind of where we are. That's Alice's mom, Nina Henry. When they first moved in, there were fewer Orthodox families in the blocks around their home. So we were aware that there was a history of a large Orthodox community here in West Rogers Park, but at least my observation was is that it seemed to be at that time kind of slowing down. Our neighbors to the east was an, an older Orthodox couple, and you know we had some other neighbors that were Orthodox, but it was not what I had heard or expected it to be. You know, I thought it was going to be everybody around us, you know, that we were going to be the only Reformed Jews on the block. As the neighborhood became more religious, the Henrys had a few bumps in the road. The Bernard Horwich Jewish Community Center on Tui Avenue is huge. It offers all kinds of classes, sports, and activities for kids and adults. It has a pool, and it offers pre-K. When Alice was in preschool there, literally the day that she graduated, it was announced that there would no longer be, and they use this word, secular classes offered at Bernard Horwich. And so I went to the executive director of the JCC and I said, you you receive JUF funds, you receive funds from the Federation for all Jews. Well, you know, how can you get away with this? And she was, she, she was, you know, appropriately diplomatic, but she said, our board is largely Orthodox. Our membership is largely Orthodox. We're really merely serving our membership. Now, to be clear, that incident didn't turn off the Henrys from the area or their neighbors. And Alice was headed to the closest CPS school for kindergarten anyway. But 
All these years later, it got her thinking, when and why did Westridge become so orthodox? To understand that, you need to understand a little about Jewish geography in Chicago. Jews first arrived in Chicago from Germany in the 1830s and 40s. A decade or two later, many of those folks created Jewish communities and neighborhoods on the south side, like Pill Hill, Jeffrey Manor, and South Shore. In the 1880s, Jews arriving from Eastern Europe settled on the near west side, around Maxwell Street. Over the next few decades, peddlers with bush carts became businessmen with brick-and-mortar stores. This step up in economics and acceptance brought a migration west to Lawndale, which became one of the largest and most vibrant Jewish communities in the country. After World War II, the GI Bill helped many Jewish veterans go to college and purchase homes. And owning one of the single-family homes being built in West Ridge was the next step in the fulfillment of the American dream for many Jewish Chicagoans. Families moved from Lawndale and many other Jewish enclaves around the city to this leafy area on the northwest side. So by the 1950s... It was a place where you could just walk up and down the street, and it felt very Jewish. That's Rabbi Leonard Matanke, the spiritual leader of Congregation KINS, a synagogue at the corner of California and North Shore that lies literally and figuratively in the heart of Orthodox Jewish West Ridge. He and his family have been in the neighborhood for more than half a century. My family moved to West Rogers Park in 1966. The big hangout spaces were the JCC with all of the different programs that would take place. We would hang out in Lerner Park, which was brand new when I first moved in. Sacramento wasn't paved between Lunt and Pratt, right where Lerner Park is today. It was almost like an alley during that time. There were these massive sunflower fields where the large buildings known as Winston Towers were then built. We would go to the parks, to Lerner, to Chippewa Park, and uh, we would play baseball. We would hang out together. The Jewish flavor of the neighborhood was on full display along the main shopping drag, Devon Avenue. There were clothing stores, uh, Seymour Paisen. There were all sorts of different things that were there where it was a shopping destination for the Jewish community. That included the bakeries and the bookstores. And when you'd go east of California, all of those wonderful shopping opportunities and locations for high-end goods before the malls were built, before everything else, it was the place to be. Community was very different at the time, but it was still a very, very strong Jewish community. When Rabbi Matanke says strong Jewish community, but very different, he's talking about the level of observance to Jewish law and customs. Many immigrants wanted to, or felt they had to, leave the old ways behind. That idea was especially enticing to a group of people who, for centuries, because of their religion, were not allowed to own land or vote, go into most professions, or even live where they wanted to. So, by the 1950s and 60s, with the dream of physical and economic safety fulfilled, most American Jews, including those in Westridge, were practicing newer, less stringent forms of Judaism than their parents and their grandparents. And for many, locks and bagels became the only ties to their faith and their heritage. When I moved into the neighborhood, there were just a few Orthodox synagogues. 
And so, in mid-20th century Chicago, people were moving from one neighborhood to the other, taking their synagogues with them, and interesting debates began taking place inside the community. The outcome of those debates would eventually have a big effect on Orthodox Judaism in the city and the nature of modern West Ridge. There were discussions of perhaps joining with the conservative movement or the reform movement, which were both on the ascent. And there was a compromise that was reached. And that compromise was that there would be mixed seating, family-style seating in the synagogue, and other than that, a regular Orthodox service. And there were a number of rabbis who took that approach. They were growing, and they really held the community together for many, many years. In Orthodox Judaism, there is no mixed or family-style seating. Men and women are separated during prayer services. In old synagogues, the women's section was often in the balcony. Today, there's an opaque partition, usually fabric or frosted glass, called a mechitza, separating the men's and women's section. But the compromise created by these quote-unquote traditional synagogues wasn't destined to last forever. Between a famous Michigan court case and shifts happening in American Judaism, people headed toward one side of the debate or the other. So the next generation, their children who were day school educated or Hebrew school educated were moving more towards the Orthodox community. And while there isn't an exact date for these shifts, you can pin the beginning to the late 1960s when the small number of Jews who continued to live an Orthodox life were joined by a sizable group of young spiritual seekers raised in secular homes looking for a deeper connection to their religion and their roots, a trend that's continued to this day. One of the hallmarks of Judaism is tradition. Now, tradition is not just a song from Fiddler on the Roof. Tradition is also the idea that we are connected back to the revelation at Sinai when Moses was atop the mountain and received the Torah from God. Keep in mind, Matanki says that just a few decades earlier, in the 1930s and 40s, people were imagining an America without Orthodox Jews. So what began happening in the late 60s was really a huge shift. I became the rabbi in 1994, and they returned once again to having a machitza, the division between men and women in the seating. And that was also part of that general movement that we see across America, where there has been an ascendancy of the Orthodox movement. So you have a large Jewish population that, over a couple of decades, was figuring out, family by family, the role religion would play in their daily lives. Meanwhile, by the 1990s, those original residents of Westridge are either passing away, headed to warmer climates, or moving closer to their children and grandchildren who'd moved to the suburbs. And at that moment of turnover, younger, more religious families start buying these houses and shaping the neighborhood to be more conducive to an Orthodox lifestyle. We'll find out what that means, why the Jewish Sabbath or Shabbat is so central to Orthodox Westridge, and we'll touch on relations between the Jewish community and their non-Orthodox and non-Jewish neighbors. That's next. Curious City is supported by BetterHelp. 
If you had an extra hour in the day, how would you use it? BetterHelp Online Therapy can help you figure out what's most important to you so you can prioritize it. Learn to make time for what makes you happy. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. Visit BetterHelp.com slash CuriousCity today to get 10% off your first month. Do you need a break from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience, I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts. Did you know the most important Jewish holiday isn't Yom Kippur? And it's not Hanukkah. It's Shabbat, the Sabbath, in Yiddish, Shabbos. And it happens every Friday at sundown. As Rabbi Matanki explains, Shabbat is a celebration of creation. It's the seventh day when God rested from being the creator. In that sense, On Shabbat, what we focus on is recognizing God as the creator. And so we cease activities that would be considered creative in nature. Now, there's an old saying, two Jews, three opinions. So for thousands of years, rabbis have argued with each other about what exactly creative means. And what they've come up with is 39 categories of things that you don't do on Shabbat. One of them, for example, is lighting a fire. So for example, when you turn on a car, there's a spark, that's a fire. We can't turn on that car on Shabbat. The same goes for gas ovens or turning on lights or electrical appliances. Another big one is carrying things outside your home, money, keys, groceries, the kids, whatever. But what does not driving or carrying things have to do with a large population of Orthodox Jews living in a concentrated area like West Ridge. Well, for the Orthodox, family and community are everything. And so life is centered around the home and the synagogue. And if you're prohibited from driving on Shabbos, you need to live within walking distance of your synagogue. And as for not carrying things around on Shabbat, well, Orthodox communities stretch that rule a little by building what's called an A-roof, a large area demarcated by anything from wires, fences, roads, or natural boundaries like rivers. For example, the northern border of the Westridge A-roof is the CTA Yellow Line tracks just north of Howard Street. The western border is the North Shore Channel that runs between Kedzie and McCormick. Everything inside the A-roof is considered the same as being inside your home for the purpose of carrying. So back about 30 years ago, we built an A-roof in West Rogers Park. And when we built the A-roof, it changed the opportunities we had on Shabbat. Until that point, if you had a, uh, a baby at home, you couldn't take a stroller out because that's carrying. Now you're able to go out of the house with the children. So we have opportunities because of the Eruv, and it also strengthens communities because Orthodox Jews want to live in a community that has an Eruv versus a community that might not. One woman from the Orthodox community you might know is Deborah Silverstein. She's lived there for over 30 years now and has been the alderman of the 50th Ward, 
which includes West Ridge, for the last decade. And even in her time in city council, she's seen lots of growth. Well, I can tell you from the time I was alderman that we've had many more synagogues opening up. You can walk down Chewy Avenue, and uh, I was actually in an event just this Sunday, and one of the trivia questions that we had were how many synagogues are on Chewy Avenue, and the answer was 13. They're just more and more opening up. Silverstein may have special personal ties to the Orthodox community, but this is a very diverse ward. We have Indians, Pakistanis, we have Croatians, we have Rohingya. In our schools, we have 40 plus languages at each school. Silverstein says the different groups within West Ridge get along well, but she acknowledges that they don't really mix. I do think that the communities stick with their own communities. We're always trying to get them to come out, but it's not always the easiest. It's a challenge. But people show support for each other at important moments, like when a few years ago there were a number of anti-Semitic attacks in the neighborhood, and the alderman said it brought the community, Jewish and non-Jewish, together. Nina and David Henry, the parents of our question asker, Alice, love the diversity on their block and enjoy good relations with everybody. The recent arrivals from Africa across the street, the same-sex couple next door, and yes, the many Orthodox families. Sure, it's not always easy to be secular in the middle of a large religious community. The Henrys can't invite many of their neighbors over for dinner because they don't keep a kosher home. And there was that time when Alice's dad, David, was scolded a little by someone who was shocked to see him mowing the lawn on Shabbat. But the Henrys are pretty chill about it all. And Nina says over the years, she's worked directly with and learned from her Orthodox neighbors. I took a job with JCFS Chicago Jewish Child and Family Services and worked with lots of Orthodox folks and got to know the community better. And certainly I feel as though I've learned so much. That's been a fantastic experience for me. You know, you meet a lot of people and you get to like those people and you don't really care, you know, whether they're wearing a scheidel or not, right? A scheidel, by the way, is a natural-looking wig used to cover an Orthodox woman's hair for modesty purposes and to indicate she's married. Now, what if you wanted to experience this unique community for yourself? How can you get a schmeck and a leck, little smell and a taste, as we say in Yiddish? Well, the rabbi has some ideas. If you want to really feel it, there are two times you can go. One is on a Thursday night, shopping in one of the regular grocery stores or one of the kosher grocery stores and see the preparation for Shabbat. The Jewel on Howard and McCormick and the Marianos at Tui and McCormick have massive kosher sections, plus kosher sushi and even kosher grills where you can get your meat, chicken, or fish cooked for you. Cold Tuve is a large all-kosher grocery store on Devon, directly across from the 50th Ward office, and they're all jam-packed on Thursdays. Then come back on Shabbat and walk through the streets or drive through the streets and notice how quiet it is. Because on Shabbat, the number of cars have shifted. And look in the parks and see the families playing in the parks. And look at the people when they're walking to synagogue or walking home from synagogue and the units and what is very, very special about families being together. I don't know what I'm
For more stories about hidden gems in and around Chicago, check us out at wbeasy.org slash Curious City. That's also the place where you can ask your own questions about Chicago and the region. Hit us up with questions about neighborhoods, food, history. We're game for anything. Curious City is supported by the Conan Family Foundation and is produced by me and Joe DeSoe. Adriana Cardona-McGigod is Curious City's reporter. Maggie Civit is the digital and engagement producer. And Susie Ahn is our editor. Curious City is a production of WBEZ Chicago and is part of the NPR Network. I'm Jason Mark. Thanks for listening. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. Before we start the show, we here at Curious City want to let you in on a little-known fact about WBEZ. 89% of all our funding comes from community support, including contributions from curious listeners like you. If this program has changed how you see Chicago, please consider supporting this program at wbez.org slash curious. Thank you.